0: In this week's episode of Studio Inter, we'll be reviewing the games against Parma and Shakhtar Donetsk. We'll be previewing the Champions League game against Real Madrid with David Garrido from Sky Sports UK, as well as the Atalanta game, this week's Moji, Moratti and Frog, and much, much more. Everything here on Studio Inter on Inter.com. Benvenuti, bentornati to another edition of Studio Inter. I'm your host Nimatali Rutsari, wishing you to an episode where at least one of the panelists is going to be working really hard uh, to to stay positive because I don't have a lot to be positive about. Um, but before we get to all of that, let me introduce him and the rest of the panelists. Starting with Mister Positivity, Mystic Mo, Mister the the, the preview writer, Mister Mohammed Nasa.
1: That's why I get to be. I get paid the big bucks, you know,
0: <laughs> to talk people off As, the ledge.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, we'll talk you off the ledge. No worries.
0: <laughs> well, okay. Well, we'll see. We'll, we'll we'll see. Because I know uh, a lot of people listening. Uh, a lot of the listeners have said that they they definitely need their dose of positivity this week. Uh, and returning uh, again for the first time in a long time, he is the host of. Inter, he's a host on Inter Miami CF. He's also host on Culture Connection Pod and on on-site Radio, one to five PM Monday to Friday Eastern. Mister Alex Dono.
2: Hey Nima, hey guys, I'm very happy to be back. How are you?
0: I'm good. It's good to have you. Uh, I've been um, congrats on the new gig. Uh, that, that's Thank why you. It's uh, that's why I know that you won't be able to come on as much. So there, that's that's why we kind of moved this to the Sunday so we could have you with us as well.
2: That's a lot of pressure. <laughs>
0: Well, you deliver, I hope anyway. Um, I'm sure you will. Uh, And we're also joined by our good friend over in London, Mr. William Beckman.
3: Hello. Yes. Preparing for another month of Zoom calls and uh, other (laughs) lockdown-based goodness. Um, (laughs) You're going to be very important. This podcast will be important for my sanity over the next month or so. It always is, but even more so than usual.
0: For sure, um, and um, and we're happy, and we're, I'll happy to do that, and and also you as you too as well, you too as well will because Inter uh, will. I, I I mean it's I don't know if this podcast will save us all because Antonio Conte is definitely doing his best to drive us all insane. At least that's how I see it. But before we get into all of that, I'd like to introduce our guest. Uh, he is a presenter on over on Sky Sports UK. He's also the founder of uh, Content uh, Hub La Liga Lowdown, uh, making a studio inter debut. Welcome, Mr. David Garrido.
4: Thank you very much, guys. Yeah, really looking forward to being involved in this episode and, and having a good chat with you guys about, obviously, Real Madrid and, and how things are going with into this season.
0: Well, let's start there because um, Real Madrid uh, are, I mean, they, they won the La Liga last year or last season and they've, you know, they've kind of, stumbled, they've started this season a little bit um, in a questionable way. And I mean, this is not the Real Madrid and Barcelona that we saw just two, three years ago. It's clearly they're both in some sort of rebuild phase, although Real Madrid have come further down uh, the path uh, than 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 Barcelona have, but I but uh, but I have watched a little bit of Real Madrid, and it's really difficult to to understand where they are in terms <laughs> yeah. of form. So I want I want I wanted, I wanted to, that's why I wanted to have you on. I want you to a g- little bit just lay out the text on how where are where are they as a team? I mean they've had quite a few injuries. Now we're reading about COVID nineteen infections, unconfirmed reports about that being Sergio Ramos, who obviously is incredibly important to Real Madrid. Uh, how would you describe Real Madrid's start of the season so far?
4: Yeah, mixed. I think uh, they, they started off well. Um, there, there was an early draw at Real Sociedad, but then they picked up some wins. And then, as is inevitably the case with Real Madrid, they're never too far away from some sort of crisis. Because when you look at Real Madrid, you always look through the lens of the most intense magnifying glass. Now, I'm not a Real Madrid fan, but then if you are, it's even more acute than that. <laughs> um, and And the, the, the home defeat against Cádiz, newly promoted, at Maldives, are their you know I suppose home ground if you like, uh, whilst the is having uh, refurbishments done was a real shock. And then of course the the performance first half against Shakhtar Donetsk, and they couldn't quite get back into that game uh, to, to to get something out of it. And uh, you know Zinedine Zidane, it felt like the, the the pressure was once again right on him. They were saying, well you know don't win the classico and you could be out of a job. That's how things work. In Madrid, And of course, the Spanish press don't help that. <laughs> you know, you've got papers like Marca and Diario Asu who are sort of ramping things up. Everything's extreme. And that's why <laughs> you have to understand that's the prism through which you see Real Madrid. Um, and they, you know, they themselves feed that, I guess. And also add to that, you always have to think of it in terms of how a are doing. And so, of course, the classical therefore was super important. And yes, you're right. I think that Madrid are further down the track in terms of how they are trying to reinvent themselves. Remember, no signings this summer for Real Madrid, which is which is you know unheard of. But it seems like they are just trying to wait until the opportunity comes to sign an Mbappe, for example. That's the the player they they mm. desperately want. And so, in the meantime, it's just that little bit of of I suppose reinvention. Um, so that that was a turnaround, and that was important. That win against Real Madrid. Um, the fight back against Borussia Mönchengladbach. I mean, listen, this is where Madrid and 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 to have something in common. They both had to score late goals to to get something out of a game against against Borussia Mönchengladbach, and then they really clicked against Wesker, and and it felt like it made sense. But remember that Zidane is a manager who's perhaps known more as a a manager of egos and energies rather than a coach. And he keeps tweaking his lineup. Like last season, he fielded 36 different starting 11s in the 38 league games. So he's a a man who who just keeps tinkering and tweaking. But it seems like against Westgate, even though it's Westgate, we've got a sense of who he's going to go with against Inter Milan. So I feel that they are moving in the right direction. They've picked up a bit of momentum. Suddenly now, back-to-back La Liga wins, having had back-to-back defeats in all competitions, that comeback against Borussia Mönchengladbach, but they do really need a result against Inter Milan, because right now, as it stands, mad as you'd say it, for the most successful European team, they're bottom of that group. So they really do need to get a result of for Sure. Mo,
0: I'm going to hand you over to Mo for a question, uh, if you have a question for David.
1: Yeah. Hi, David. Uh, so quick question. Uh, what is uh, Inter's key? path to victory having seen uh, Real Madrid's uh, rollercoaster perform- uh, performances so far this season what what are they most uh, susceptible to?
4: One of the things that they have to be very aware of is that they are playing their third choice right back who's not even a right back and he's doubtful um, so at, at the time of recording right now uh, Lucas Vásquez has had a bit of a muscle injury uh, from that game against Huesca. He's a right winger. I mean, he's, he's a, a, or even a right forward. And he was always Zidane's kind of go-to as the change up almost every time the first sub he'd make around 65 minutes, bring on Lucas Pazquez. But because of the injuries to uh, firstly, um, Danny Carvajal, then also uh, Alvaro de and Nacho, who's like, you know, Mr. Versatile in the defense suddenly now, in fact, not even third choice, fourth choice, uh, right back. So I, I think that's a, you know an area that Inter and Antonio Conte could could try and target. And I do wonder, you know, especially if you can get a little bit of joy down your left flank, if Perisic can can maybe just be quite brave and and pin Lucas Vazquez back, and there should be some space to exploit there when he gets forward. And I do think Real Madrid without Sergio Ramos are susceptible. And if you know, we'll wait to see what's happened in terms of. Uh, COVID-19 test at de and that really affected Castilla with the the B-side. But Madrid without Ramos are a very different team to a Madrid with Ramos. So I think, you know, we'll have to wait and see on that. But I certainly feel that there are big question marks around them. When you go down to Baran and Militao or something like that, I I just think, you know, you lack the leadership. And you look at Madrid's spine, that's where they have had the consistency. Courtois has been excellent in goal. Ramos, of course, the leader, goal scorer as well as defender then in midfield Casemiro is you know is one of the metronomes and he is you know I think he's been underrated for a very very long time and people just think he's you know someone who just happily just about avoids yellow cards all game and then you push forward to Benzema and you've got people like Balberde who are coming back into form as well so so you know I think that the spine is is very very strong especially if Ramos plays but I think the flanks and particularly on their right flank on your left flank that you know maybe there's 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 some you know you could probably exploit something there
0: Alex, did you have a question for David?
2: Yeah, hey, David. Uh, I did catch Eden Hazard scoring a, a great goal over the weekend. Of course, he's had all the injury troubles since coming over. Sort of, how do you sum up his time so far at Real Madrid? And, and does he really need to prove he was worth that big money move?
4: Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because I guess in his absence, there's not been one person who's absolutely come in and torn it up. I mean, Vinicius Jr., has had his moments. Um, I think he's really added to his game. He's improving, but he's still incredibly young. Um, and I think that Eden Hazard, in, in a weird sort of way, has been a little lucky that that hasn't sort of been the case. Marco Asensio has been out, in, out injured as well. Of course, Bale's not there at the moment. So I think actually it's been frustrating for him. Uh, there was there was obviously question marks not just over his over you know I- injuries, but but his fitness when he first joined Real Madrid. He looked overweight. And he just never got enough minutes and enough consistency, enough of a run to, to show the talent that he inevitably absolutely has got. That goal against Wesker was brilliant. It was the, the you know, the turning point in the game. Madrid scored again very quickly before halftime. And then suddenly that team talk for Zinedine Zidane is very different. Um, and he absolutely has quality. And I fully expect him to start uh, against Inter Milan. And I feel like now maybe he's feeling, OK, uh, I've got my first start under my belt. I came on as a sub against Mauricio Mönchengladbach. I can make the impact and i think madrid are looking to him to do that remember they did pay an awful lot of money for him so uh yeah i, I think that is it's now ripe it's now the time for eden Hazard to show exactly the player he is the the chelsea Hazard that you know obviously the the premier league was was lucky enough to, to to grace their stage for for so many years
0: um will did you have a question for david
3: yeah, I was going to ask about Hazard, but um, that's been that's been covered. So I just thought maybe a question on the, the Spanish teams in general in this year's Champions League, because of course um, they've been dominating for the last few years. But it seems like a slightly weakened crop of um, a slightly weakened crop of sides this year. I'm just wondering if you were to put your money behind one of them, you know, which team would you give the best chance of, of going deep in this competition? Because obviously, in, in the past, it would have been a no-brainer. Real Madrid have won. They won those uh, three Champions Leagues in a row. Barcelona have the best player in the world, arguably. But you know, I, I look at Atletico, and you know they they got a result against Salzburg. They've got some some great forwards. You know, Jau Felix has been has been in good form. And I also think Sevilla are a really impressive team. You know, obviously we we experienced that last summer um, or this the summer that just went in the Europa League final. And i you know I think if they had a striker, they'd be they could probably have, give anyone a game at the moment. They ran Bayern Munich close in the the Super Cup um, a month or so ago. So. Can you, do you think any of these teams, can you see any of these teams winning the tournament this year? Or is this um, sort of a, you know, a transitional period? And, and will there be a chance maybe for someone that doesn't have a, doesn't come from Spain to finally win this tournament? Do, do you know what? It's,
4: it's a really stupid question. Because my first instinct when you started the question was, who's the least worse at the moment? And I'd probably say Atletico. And, and also, there's this kind of tendency, I think, especially amongst Spanish football fans and yeah, analyst experts, that if you're not sure out of Real Madrid or Barcelona, as a kind of sideline, you go, I back Atletico. But they never made good on that since 2014. And in fact, until the Europa League in 2018, they hadn't won another trophy in that intervening period. The, the La Liga title in 2013-14, you might remember when they went to the Camp Now, Diego Godin with that. Equaliser one-one. That was the point they needed. All they needed to do to guarantee the title was not lose. They managed to do that, and they broke, you know, the the, the duopoly. Uh, I, I think they're, you know, they're really interesting at the moment, and and I think that maybe out of all of the teams you've mentioned, they have the most consistency right now. I like Sevilla, but they're on a bit of a, a bad run of form, especially in La Liga. I mean, you, you would never have expected this. You know, losing one 0 to Granada, losing one-nil at home to Avad. Um, being one 0 up uh, away to Athletic, but then being turned around and losing two one, they're, they're currently down in fifteenth in the table. Um, and normally they're the the quick starters. They're the ones who have a good run going into Christmas, New Year, and then they inevitably they they sort of fall off a cliff and they 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 really suffer in in the spring. Um, I think that Real Madrid are the team who are, you know, despite their they they lost in their draw in the first couple of games of the group, uh, I think they're the team that. Probably uh, I would back Zidane to um, energise the squad, to, to get the best out of those talented players and get them deep. I'm really not sure about Barcelona right now. Uh, obviously, things are just very, uh, it's, it's, it's been a tumultuous time, hasn't it, with, with what's happened with Messi over the summer, with, with Bartomeu on the board resigning, uh, Kuman being someone who was appointed by the previous president and board, you know, feels like he could well be a dead man walking. Is he likely to see out the season? Just, no one really knows. And certainly with that kind of uh, real sort of situation of flux, can you can you back them? I, I'm not sure that you can. Um, so I, I would say if anyone, uh, Atletico, probably. I like Joao Felix alongside Luis Suarez. You know, I, I don't, you know, I'm not saying it's like Suarez and Sturridge back in 2014, but there's something there that I feel there's a kind of nice mentoring relationship uh, where I feel that they can, Prosper together, Um, and you know maybe this is the year that you know the weird year, right? Um, It's not the weirdest thing to say, but I think that Atletico certainly have have a fighting chance. So, in a roundabout way, I'm going to probably back them and Real Madrid to be the ones that go deep. And if Zidane can get the consistency out of his side, I think this, as they call it, on Gala, the sort of you know star eleven that we expect to take to the pitch against against Inter Milan. Uh, could well be the one that that he really backs and, and that maybe goes deep in the tournament.
0: So I'm um, going to, focusing more on, on the game on Tuesday. Uh, it's a double header. I mean, first obviously it's, it's it's you have that game, then you have the international break, and then you 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 have the return leg. Um, what, what's your feeling going into Tuesday's game? Do you think do you, are you do you think another draw, or do you think that Rail would win, or, or what's your thoughts? Or do you think even Inter can win?
4: I, I think Rail are desperate for the win. And often it's funny because when you talk about big games, I mean, they're talking about all of these games as finales, as finals, which is weird. When you talk about Wesker, (laughs) um, you know, who promoted again from from Segunda to to La Liga, that's that shouldn't be a final. (laughs) Why is it called a final? Okay, yes, they needed to to get some consistency in the league, especially after the Cadiz defeat and and, and the defeat to Shakhtar. But, you know, this game does feel more and more significant. We know about Real Madrid's love affair with the European Cup going all the way back, you know, more than than half a century, you know, 70-odd years. Um, And I think because they really need the result, I think they will get the result. Um, It's very much the way that you consider Clásicos. You know, uh, when you look at the respective positions of the teams going into a Clásico, often the team that gets the result is the one that needs it the most. And so I, I get a sense that, Probably there are more questions around Inter Milan than there are around Real Madrid, just with this upturn of form in the last week or so where Madrid seem to have rediscovered something. Um, I think that Fede Valverde is going to be incredibly important. I feel like he really energised the team um, against Westgate. He has that. Yeah, that, that's that's basically what he, what he brings. And I feel that he's going to be very busy. And I, I sense that he could put Madrid in control of that midfield. Kroos will provide... You know that knitting together of play, Casemiro uh, is is the man, as I said, who sort of sets the tempo and 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 makes sure that he puts himself about two. Uh, I would imagine Modric will be on the bench, and I think that if they set up that way and they they make sure that they they manage the match correctly, I reckon that Madrid would probably do enough to to get the three points because they need them.
0: Mm, for sure, they're they're definitely dest- they're def- they have to win. I mean, both of these teams kind of have to win, uh, which which are Real more than Inter, obviously because of they only have one point. Inter have have two. Um, thank you so much for coming on, David. Uh, if we, I was just if you if you have something you want to promote, I know you guys do a lot of stuff on La Liga Lowdown. Um, on, oh well, yeah. that's
4: that's very kind, yeah. I mean, listen, it's it's um, it's a a, a really talented squad that I've got over there on La Liga Lode. and I, I founded it uh two and a half years ago and was, was you know, fully involved when we got going. And now I sort of um, I suppose like a director of football, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> uh, and I, I, I sign the players and I step back and you know, let them play. And they're yeah, they're very uh driven and as I say, talented and they're producing some great stuff. So on the website, um, especially. And obviously, given his time in, in Italy as well, this is a, a really good long read uh, by a guy called Alan Fahili, who's one of our new signings this summer on Diego Maradona turning 60 uh, yeah, on Friday. Nice and uh, yeah, really, really good, really good read. Um, the, the Twitter feed is always nice and lively. We We try and be creative with what we do. We try and add value you know we don't just tweet goals when goals go in i just feel that's a bit pointless everyone does that and and also our podcast um which you can you know just look up loudly go low down uh on all your usual sort of podcast distributors and providers um so it's yeah it's a kind of um a three-pronged attack and yeah we've, we've we've we're doing okay so yeah if, if you guys want to check that out then then we'd be delighted to have you with us
0: and if uh, and if they want to follow you on twitter it's at sky sport david right at Sky Sports
4: david correct
0: well, thank you very much for coming on, David. Really, really appreciate it. And we hope you're wrong <laughs> in your predictions.
4: Well, I, I, most of the time I am. So maybe that's, maybe that's good for you guys. Uh, no, absolute pleasure being on with you. Take care.
0: Have a good night. Thanks,
4: David.
0: Right. That was, that was David Garrido from Sky Sports UK and La Liga Lowdown uh, to help us look a little bit behind the... Uh, look, look a little bit closer at Real Madrid. And w- one thing um, that really got me was when he said Toni Kroos. When he mentioned Toni Kroos' name and Casemiro, and I remember that they have Luka Modric. I have no, no, I don't know how the hell Inter are going to win this game um, because uh, th- that's like the first feeling I get. But then again, I, I, I remember that Inter do well against teams that attack, and Real Madrid attack. They're not going to sit like. Shakhtar and Parma and and park the bus, the boat or the plane, as Mourinho so eloquently once stated, they're going to go attack and that's going to allow Inter to, to attack as well. Are Inter solid enough defensively? Well, that remains to be seen. Um I think uh, you know will will be will we'll, I think we'll see the same formation as against Shakhtar Donetsk I think Gagliardini will definitely play I think Barella will join him uh, I don't think Christian Eriksen will play I think it will be Arturo Vidal I absolutely don't think it will be Rajan Angolan I don't think we'll ever see Rajan Angolan again uh, in an Inter shirt uh, after what happened this weekend, um, and then you have Hakimi and Darmian on the wings, uh, and and the defense will be Bastoni, De and, and D'Ambrósio, and Lukaku won't be there. So up front it's Lautaro and hopefully Alexis Sanchez or 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 Ivan Perisic. So it, you know that that's the formation I think we're going to go with, um, and and but but Inter are out of form. Uh, aside from all of everything else inter out of form and i and i and i worry and I think that the that the, the sheer quality in class that Real Madrid have in central midfield will will decide this although I hope i'm wrong uh, mo what about you
1: yeah no i mean it's uh it's definitely uh it, it's definitely not the time to to make any uh superbly uh, optimistic predictions um I, I, but that's why you're I here. don't yeah, think we're... Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> do you, no, no Look, I, 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 if I you don't, don't... I, I, do that, I, I yeah. I'm I'm most definitely do think that we're getting out of the group. Um, but I don't think uh, that this will be the game. I think, I think a draw is on the cards here. I think uh, Inter are going to play themselves, uh, present a very good v- version of themselves. Uh, I think, like you said, uh, Nima, mm-hmm. uh, we definitely do much better against teams that... Uh, that don't sit back and, and uh, Real Madrid certainly will not. Um, so I, I, I think in general, uh, and, and you, t- you talk about that uh, Madrid midfield and it's pretty damn impressive, but, you know, Modric is, what, 34 now? Uh, uh, I, I think I think our central midfield is is definitely, uh, with Lukaku not playing, is definitely our strongest suit uh, at, at, at the moment. So I, I'm not too concerned there. It's at the back. Um, and the problem with the back is if we don't score then we just let in goals and currently of course uh, Lautaro's form is such that he can not seem to uh, hit a barn door you know so um, so I think I think it's going to be a draw I uh, but I definitely think that uh, the, the the boys Conte everyone's going to be up for the game it's it's to, to a degree where where no one's going to take it lightly, everyone's going to be extra serious, maybe even sharper in front of goal. Because, I mean, we're not scoring, not for the lack of chances or trying. I mean, it's just that the uh, conversion is, is abysmal and uh, crossbars and posts are are plotting against us, along with, uh, you know, VAR and referees. So it's, um, yeah. Uh, that. I'm I'm definitely not going to go out there and say we're going to win, but I, I, I certainly think that this this will not be the match where uh, qualification from the group is lost. So I think uh, at least the point
0: is on the cards. What about you, Alex? What do you think?
2: Yeah, this game is very much an enigma for me. Um, you know, you start with Real Madrid and, and, yeah, as David pointed out, overall their form is improving. Two La Liga wins in a row, but... in both their Champions League matches so far, they've really had disastrous starts to those games. I mean, they nearly salvaged a draw against Shakhtar. They did salvage a draw against Mönchengladbach, but really, really poor starts in those games. Now, of course, the Interista in me feels that they're going to find their Champions League form in this match, of course. I mean, that's just the... uh, (laughs) I'll I'll be the pessimist the most optimist. But, you know, they've really had just a, a really slow uh, run in form to start champions league then you know on, on the inter side of things you know uh you know mo mo hit it on the head when he talks about poor conversion because uh, i mean obviously you go back to a little over a week ago against uh, genoa it was just a, a really really poor first half period no creation or conversion but you know in, in the Shakhtar game and then against padma you know, chances created versus chances conceded, those ratios were through the charts in favor of Inter. They just can't finish these chances. I, I really think that this match um, is going to be decided on a couple of things if Inter's going to get a positive result. The first of those, of course, we know are, you know, not making poor mistakes at the back, which has been something that, you know, hopefully Kolarov doesn't start or play because that that's been a huge factor. If he's not out there, that's going to help. Uh, and so we we know that. I mean, cutting out the mistakes at the back, of course, it goes without saying. Uh, I think Lautaro Martinez's form could decide this game because they're going to be very reliant on him to score without Lukaku. And he's been really poor in these last handful of games. And I just don't think Inter are going to get a victory or even a draw if Lautaro doesn't score or at least, you know, assist contribute draw a penalty something like that I I think he needs to be really good in this game he can't be invisible the way that he's been or or missing easy chances the way that he has in these last couple of matches and Inter expect to take anything away from this I I think he's going to be incredibly important and then of course keep your eyes out if Lautaro does have a big game against Real Madrid that's going to start up the Barcelona rumors again so either way we lose on that so we'll we'll see what happens (laughs)
0: for sure um, i i personally think that courtois will be the deciding factor i think real will will win narrow draw narrow win 1-0 and i think he'll 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 once again uh, he'll show how how important it is to have a world class goalkeeper which which real madrid do and unfortunately inter currently don't uh, but we'll get to all of that in in, in our review games because uh, there's a stat I want to talk to you about. Uh, but Will, w- w- before we conclude the the Real Madrid game, what are your thoughts going into into Real Madrid uh, into, on Tuesday?
3: Yeah, I'm I'm sat in camp pessimism with you and uh, and Alex. I think um, you know the, you reeled off the the talent they have in midfield, and, and you realised that most likely the. The problem in these first two Champions League matches against Shakhtar and against, you know, Shakhtar side that was decimated by COVID and maybe on paper didn't look like it's too too big an obstacle for them, and uh, a and Borussia Gladbach side that were that, that came out of pot four. I think the problem in that match, Madrid, must have been a psychological approach issue. You know, we we said that they've they fell behind three uh, nil and two nil in both those games, um, but then when they got themselves going against Shakhtar, they almost. They almost got a draw from 3-0 down uh, and uh, they, they rescued a draw when it seemed lost against Gladbach. So I can't imagine that they're going to be that lax again when they take to the field on Tuesday, because as David said, they need the win. They didn't desperately need the points against either of those teams in their first two matches. And with Madrid needing a win and having never gone out of the Champions League group stages before, I find it hard to envisage a scenario where they're on one point after three games um, this happened last year as well they they got thumped by PSG in their first group game then in the next match they were they were they drew it home to Bruges um, at the Bernabeu and almost lost that then they went to the third game where Galsasarized Dan was under pressure his job and they got the win because they needed it um, and then they they sort of steadied the ship from there and, and went on and at least got out of the group so it's it's not a it's not a great time to be playing them it would have been better if they'd been on six points heading into this game honestly because then that you know, there would have been a, a margin for error for them that we would have been able to to exploit. If you wanted to be slightly, um, what's the word? Uh, pragmatic, you could say that one uh, one win in these two games is is okay because that would leave you on five points with two games left. So maybe if we lose this game, it's not all over because we've got the game at San Siro. Um, I, I, but if we're just limiting it to this game, I, I find it really, especially if Hazard is back as well. Um, he, he looked like he was resembling a, a top-level footballer again for the first time in about a year. So uh, that's that's another good news story for Inter at the moment, who are full of good news stories and, and good luck. Um, <laughs> well, I mean... <laughs> but yeah, I, I agree that um, if Sanchez plays, that gives us a much better chance than if not, because we saw what the alternatives were or weren't on on Saturday against Parma. Um, Lautaro and Sanchez was the, 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 the pair that played against Barcelona at the Camp Nou last season, and they had a brilliant first half. Lautaro scored the opening goal, and they seemed to work pretty well then. But the problem is that it's not the Lautaro of 12 months ago, and it's not the Sanchez of 12 months ago, because he's just coming back from another injury. So I think I, I, I agree that I'm really finding it difficult to see a uh, to see too many goals in this match. And with the 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 really soft mistakes that are being made at the back at the moment, and the fact that Real Madrid have their backs against the wall, I, I find it pretty much impossible to be to be optimistic for this match. Unfortunately.
0: Well, speaking of backs against the wall, Inter really have their backs against the wall in the Serie A against Atalanta a few days later after the Real Madrid game if a Scudetto is, for those of you who believe in Scudettos uh, for Inter this this year, that's, that's a must-win game. Inter can't afford to draw that because they're already four, f- five points behind Milan, who are off to a flying start. Um, and and it's an Atalanta that we've that we've seen be very inconsistent. Uh, that that score that, that, that have done well in the Champions League um, and then they were destroyed by Napoli in the Serie A. And they came back a little bit and looked a little bit more stable against Crotone. So it's kind of hard to know where, where where they are. But we do know that Atalanta always turn up against Inter, especially when they have as long as they have Gasperini there. Um, who who just can't who loves to stick it to Inter and, and will never ever stop talking about when he was at Inter for a brief period and was sacked. Um, so uh, th- that's th- that's also something that we have to deal with on on the Saturday, or sorry on the Sunday at 3 p.m. Uh, CET. Um, that that's a game that I'm thinking that will finally put the nail in the coffin of of the the Scudetto talks and crazy Inter will be an actual fact. From then on, um, because Atalanta are exactly the kind of team that will that can hurt Inter, that can hurt an Inter that have lost their entire identity defensively, that have lost their entire ability to and self confidence in front of goal. They they just Inter just cannot score goals, um, and uh, or, or take the lead at least. I mean, we saw we we've seen it throughout this entire season, it may, except for against Benevento, when when uh, inter were doing their den exam impression um but th- this is uh th- this is an issue um and and i'm really really worried because the, you know this is this is what i've been this the reason why you know i've been I, w- I was angry this summer as most of you who follow me on social media and alex dono can attest to because i sent him raging w- voice memos on whatsapp <laughs> <laughs> <You did. laughs> during, during this summer look my my anger period for what's happening now was then because all everything that's happening now to me was incredibly predictable. You could see this happening from a mile away, and that's why you needed to have a different mercato than what you did. Now you, not not to the way I see it, you're just circling the drain now. You let's just play out the cards and hope for the best, a top four position. There is no way Inter are going to win this coretto, but I know that there are people out there who who think that they are. So I'm I'm just gonna. So so I'm not gonna you know belabor that point too much, but all I'm gonna say is I think that this ga- the game the gaming is Atalanta will show once and for all why Inter won't win the Scureto.
2: Um Alex, any thoughts? You disagree? Wow, that that's a frightening fr- sentence you you just said there. I mean, you, you're you're really you're really making me feel queasy to think that uh, <laughs> that the outcome of Match Day Six is, is going to be the death knell for the entire season. I, I I understand where you're coming from. I don't know if I'd go that far because. Uh, Now I I reserve the right to change my mind depending on how Inter look Tuesday against Real Madrid. I I might or midweek against Real. I'm not sure if it's a Tuesday or when. It is a Tuesday, yeah, election day here in the United States. So I I reserve the right to change my mind based on how poor they look in that match. But I I honestly, looking ahead to Atalanta, I don't feel so terrible about that one because Atalanta's been really, really poor at the back. Now the question is, is Inter going to be able to take advantage of that now? I think that some of these failures to score in these last couple of matches, um, certainly uh, I, I'm not giving them a pass, but I think that there is you know, maybe going to be a progression to the mean because when you, when you have enough free headers seven feet in front of the keeper that you're putting right on the keeper and you've also had uh, a couple of what look like clear penalties not given and not even checked by the VAR, and I'll get more on that a little bit later, believe me, that Uh, I've got to believe that, you know, this is not purely poor form. Some of it is a little bit of bad luck. And again, this is not me predicting a Scudetto. This is me saying that for as tough as the current run of form may be, there may be a better run of form coming because things tend to even themselves out a little bit in this game. So, yeah, I I don't know if I'm completely ready to say that match day six is going to decide the entire season. Uh, If they look terrible, it might. But I, I do think that that is a game Inter can win. Uh, you know, they did defeat Atalanta uh, you know, late in the season after the COVID break and, and looked pretty good doing it at the end of last year. So they're not too far removed against uh, from good form against Atalanta. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, it's hard for me to make a prediction um, since I want to see how they look against Real Madrid. But I'll make a prediction because that's what we do here. And I'm going to say a two to one victory for Inter at the weekend.
0: I, I, see, I, don't, I don't think the season's going to be lost. I'm just saying the Scudetto's lost. I think, I think it's going to dawn on, on people that that how far off Inter are where they need to be. Uh, because it's not just... In, it, it, I don't think it's just a quality issue. I think it's a lot of issues. I think it's, it's a balance issue. Inter have not really had any balance under Antonio Conte uh, since he took over. Uh, and I think what we're seeing now is when you have important players who are supposed to lead who are either out of form, like Lautaro and De Frey, or injured, like Lukaku, or players brought in that are supposed to lead, who are way past their sell-by date, like Vidal, Kolarov, Perisic, and so on. And then you, you have a marquee signing in Christian Eriksen that is, is having some form of existential crisis. And you have Antonio Conte on top of that. Uh, it, it's like the perfect storm. and and and, you know this this club doesn't work like other clubs and therefore that's why i'm saying that it's the scudetto is is you know i i've didn't believe in it to begin with and now i'm i think that most people are going to see it the way i see it after the atalanta game i still think that inter or hope that inter finish top four because i don't even want to think i don't even want to think about the disaster financially it would imply not finishing in the top four for inter this is you know i don't even want to think about it like that's that gives me nightmares at night uh just thinking about inter trying to take on a season after covid without champions league money i mean it's just ugh, like it just gives me you know it creeps me out but um uh, will, uh, w- what do you think against uh, like against Atalanta? Do you think that Inter will bounce back magically, uh, or 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 the, and all of a sudden it will say click, and everything that Antonio Conte wants will just will suddenly work? Or do you still see that they got they got trials and tribulations ahead of them?
3: Well, I hope it clicks because we've won one game in six, so it's time to get things together. Um, if you're a, if you're a serious team, you will. You will change your attitude um, once and for all that's the that's the thing that was so disappointing I think, in the match against parliament just the complete lack of urgency um or the complete inability to to adapt to the you know to a match without lukaku which was um so disappointing a lack of um uh, sort of bite in front of goal a really sort of flat performance so you know if you start you start putting three or four of those in a row together then you have you have a lot of questions to answer as a as a squad from a mental point of view. Um, I don't know if we're going to win that match because it's very difficult. Even with Lukaku, uh, that would have been tough. Uh, but obviously, we don't know if he's going to play. Um, if he does, then that's great. That gives us a chance. If not, I find it very difficult to see how we get three points from that match. Atalanta are a little bit up and down, as you said. Difficult to read, like, honestly, every team is at the moment. So, making predictions is even harder than it is normally but I would be I'd be surprised if we won that match I'll put it like that um, I wouldn't be entirely surprised if we had two defeats this week because you know we're not in we're not in form so uh, yeah the the, the the immediate future doesn't look particularly positive but uh, this is a strange season football changes quickly at the best of times so even if we were to have two defeats I certainly will not be Um, ruling out Inter's chances of winning the Scudetto, I think you're being too strong uh, in that sense, personally, because frankly, it's not going to take as much as it would have done in previous years to win this league title. And, you know, unless you think that Milan are going to win the Scudetto, which maybe you do, um, everyone else is waiting for Inter. You know, if if, (laughs) Juventus are one point ahead, and that's only because they were handed a match against uh, against Napoli. Napoli themselves lost uh, a few hours before we recorded this on Sunday and, and are only one point ahead. You know, There is time to get things right. The problem that we've seen in the last few games is that you need to be able to get points while you're not at your best because this isn't Inter's inter's maximum potential. You know, this is not going to be this bad, I don't think, all season because, because, you know, we're kind of not that far away from pre-season in terms of sort of preparation time in a regular season. So I I don't think it's a surprise that there are so many um, teething problems to sort out. The problem is that, you know, these games matter and we're not showing... We're not showing the bite to win the games. Uh, not taking the chances, and are being quite inefficient in both penalty boxes. You know, t- two shots and two goals for Padma, two shots and two goals for Gladbach. Twenty shots and two goals against Padma, with with one of them coming right at the end. You know, it's it's not good enough um, in that sense. So I don't know how you solve that. I, th- I guess it's a mental issue if you're not taking the chances and you're and you're giving up goals so easily at the back, but. Uh, short term yes i agree difficult possibly two defeats possibly a defeat on sunday long term there's a very very long way to go yet and uh, i i'm still confident that, that things will get better if not in the if not in the immediate term let's let's say that
0: mm. well from from skeptic from, from the negative to the skeptic to the positive mo uh, wh- what are your thoughts
1: uh i feel it in my bones man i feel it in my bones i told you last year uh second place in the <laughs> europa league uh we got to the final unfortunately we couldn't make it through uh, i feel it in the same way man uh, and and you know me I, i'm the first person to to play down any scudetto talk uh, mm-hmm. uh particularly last year we said uh we talk about it in april consistently yeah. uh, but uh, i i feel like this this is all all the makings of uh uh, something, something growing. will just just—I uh, I will made a great point right now, in, in, in that, we're not far removed from the preseason. It's—it it really is a work in progress. In the best of circumstances, added the fact, of course, that we lost seven players to COVID. Uh, we've now uh, lost uh, two uh, of our, you know, already thin uh, attacking line uh, players to injury uh, in Alexis and uh, Lukaku, of course. So uh, there's there's a lot of moving pieces uh, to to this uh, story, um, uh, refereeing decisions, you know, scandalous. and I think um, it, it, like uh, like Alex said earlier, you know, we we like it gets a bit tiring talking about it. Yeah, as Interisti, we're cognizant of the fact that you know the knock is always that we complain about referees, so we don't want to do it too much, but. You know that, that that hacking that mauling of uh, Perisic in, in in the box was as clear of a penalty as uh, as can be. So it's it's uh, all I'm trying to say is that th- there's a lot of moving pieces uh, to to enter the results, and it's not uh, you know just uh, out of thin air that we we have got just one win out win out of six. Now having said that, I really think that these big matches are the ones that you know uh, could define um, uh, a season in the this- you know where we can team spirit, etc. So I look back at uh, the August result against Atalanta in Bergamo, uh, the 2-0. I think uh, I'm hoping it's the same sort of uh, uh, same sort of result. So I- I'll-, I'll venture a win here as well.
0: Yeah, I, I hope you're right, and 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 I I, I think um, I mean we have to talk about that. I mean the-, the the thing is when Marotta after the game goes out and says what he says, I thought was very nice. I thought he was very calm. He was very serene. He didn't, he didn't fry the referees uh, as as much as one could have expected and, and probably should. And I think it came a little bit too late. I wish Inter would have done this on match day one. You can't give these guys any leeway because you know what happens when they do. They're they're, they're you know, the Serie A referees against Inter. You give them an inch, they take an arm. They take an arm, and Piccinini, for sure has already done this. So you need to you need to call them out immediately. That's the only way they'll keep in line. So uh, there's no doubt that that was a penalty. But, but to me, I mean, all of that aside, my issue with, with this project is that I don't think it's stable enough. And, and, I, and you know, when you guys say that it's pre-season and, and, and there's, a, you know, teething issues, we're 16 months into the Antonio Conte project. And it's looking worse than it did three months into the Antonio Conte project. And that's why I... And, and the fact that he seems to me... To be questioning what he's doing and this identity crisis that we spoke on previous episodes about, that to me suggests that you know he knows that Inter don't he can't find the midfield to make this three man three five two three four one two work. So therefore, he's trying to overload the wings and in order to do that and, and win win the games that way. And when you do it that way, you have to have efficiency. When you don't have efficiency, you lose games and you look exposed that to me suggests also that there's a there's an instant of desperation involved and and that is never a good sign at inter especially at inter uh, you can get away with that at other clubs, but you can't get away with desperation at inter the the knives are out immediately the the, the sharks smell that stuff a mile away at inter and and this is uh, you know this is the, I'm not saying good bad it's just the reality of inter it's inter's reality and the reality is what we have to deal with so to me these two, because I, I also am on what Will said about zero points this week. And I think after that, that's two weeks of incredible, like, pressure of which Antonio Conte has never ex- knew existed on this planet, uh, is what he's going to to have. And, I mean, a, two wins and fine. A pressure, the pressure has moved on because all of a sudden Inter are, have five points, four points ahead of Real Madrid. That's great, and they they can almost you know secure a, a place in the second round in November already, you know that that's that's great. But I I you know and then Atalanta, even if they lose and draw that or draw that and they won against Real Madrid, that can mask that. But you're running out of time. You're running out of, you're running out of, um, you're running out of time to, to say oh but there's time to come along because I mean Marcello Lippi famously said the Serie A really begins match day ten and onwards. You're, we're we're into match day six and we've only we've got we've won two games Benevento and Fiorentina draw one against Lazio, uh, sorry yeah Be- Benevento Fiorentina and Genoa Inter have won, but Lazio Milan and Parma they've either drawn or lost. Um, now you know Parma was was one was it was a slam dunk. I mean even against Genoa it didn't look good and, and everything all that mattered are the are the, are the points. I, I I just don't see. Where you know I don't see an embryo of wh- what I'm supposed to be calm about to see th- that that will that will guide us through this storm. And as we know, you know Inter is uh, you know Strapatoni famously said a centrifuge. Things are always accentuated at that club because that's just how it works. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm. I'm. genuinely concerned that the. You know, for me, the way I look at it, it's top four for me this season, just top four, and anything else than that is just a giant bonus, because with Naiingolan looking like he does, Handanovic looking like he does, uh, Stefan de Frey being completely out of form, uh, and and etc. 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 You don't have that much time to get these guys into form, and they have to work, so. I don't know. I, I I don't see where this is going to come from. And Romelo Lukaku has been bailing Inter out in those games where we where Inter have won. Uh, so you know, I I I'm, I'm genuinely concerned. I'm really concerned, and I I don't know where where we go. Um, but let's I mean let's focus on on that Parma game because sure Inter created a bit uh, created quite a few chances, but still to me if, it's it's like Inter are yet to produce two. Two, 45, two, two, two halves of 45 minutes of football, consistent, like consecutive halves of good football. We're yet to see that from Inter. If it's a good first half, like against Schalke, it's followed by a poor second half because the teams adjust tactically and Conte looks clueless and hapless on the sidelines. And that worries me because when you when you look like that, that that's that's a signal at Inter that your, your days are numbered. Um, What what, what do you think, uh, Alex? You agree?
2: Yeah, unfortunately, I do agree. Um, and, And, you know, you and I, we spoke a lot during the summer. We spoke a lot before, probably even during and after Conte had that infamous summit you know, with, with the inter powers that be at, at Moratti's uh, Villa, you know, and, and we we kind of expected uh, because the Italian media made us expect that the outcome of that summit would be Conte stepping down and, and probably Allegri coming in. And of course, it, it went completely the opposite of what the Italian media expected. and uh, And really, since that time, a lot of our fears have only been confirmed, you know, fears mm-hmm. coming out of the Mercato with The Kolarov edition has been especially horrific. Um, You know, these mistakes, Conte being, uh, it it almost seems like he's making such a concerted effort to be be more muted in in press conferences. It's almost as if uh, I'm starting to suspect that he's doing it in in almost an act of defiance and that it's really changed who he is. And it's like, I don't even know what to make of this whole situation. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. Everything is in a bad way right now.
0: For sure. Mo, I suspect you disagree. <laughs> uh,
1: I I respectfully uh, read it differently. I think it's a tough time. Uh, I think uh, uh, really, it's a, I mean we we can't discount how difficult the start of the season has been uh, for 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 the project. Uh, you know, we still don't have Screenyard back. You know, it's it's uh, everyone the the entire team has been ravaged and, and uh, it's it's not easy. It's not easy. And despite that, we're still uh, we're still, uh, you know, unbeaten in the Champions League. Uh, hopefully, uh, qualifying from the group. Uh, one point behind Juventus in, uh, you know, uh, in uh, in in the league table. So, yeah, I I I honestly don't. I I if if the team if the team was playing uh, badly, if we weren't able to create chances, of losing um, by being played by lesser teams, you know. Uh, uh, like that uh, rough patch uh, under Spalletti in, in February, March, April or Mancini's meltdowns or wh- wh- whatever, you know, then, then I'd be concerned. But uh, like you said, Nima, it's, it seems like it's just a matter of balance and, and it's, it's almost there. It's, 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 hard, But it just doesn't happen, you know, and, and you talk about Lukaku bailing the team out, but that's the that's job. It's not like he's doing us a favor but. By- <laughs> Michael's—it's his job to score goals, and he's—you know—it's—it's—it's—he's it's, part of the eleven. It's like people used to say that Handanovic saved Inter, but that's his job to st- to stop shots. He's—he's he's a goalkeeper, so it's—we—we uh, we can argue that Lukaku's form has transformed under Conte, and and uh, his 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 presence is a, a direct consequence of Conte's man management and uh, re re um, establishment of uh, confidence. And etc. So I I just I I don't see Conte uh, as a dead man walking or or under under too much pressure. I think the project is is much more mature. If, if anything is that they're far more mature than than the Moratti. They're far more mature than Pierre. The they they seem to really in in especially in my, this manner of managing a project and managing the club in a very um, big picture sort of sense. So yeah. I, 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 I'm I, still quite confident, mm-hmm. unsurprisingly
0: <laughs> Right Well, uh, let's move on to the part of the show where we pay tribute, rip the piss out of and criticise someone or something uh, in the world of football, starting with the negativity, this week's Moji which will be presented by Mr Alex Donald
2: There are a number of directions I could go in. In fact, my original thought was to go after officiating and not from a specific inter point of view because it's been – pretty horrific lately with the use or non-use of of VAR. You know, we saw a very, very messy officiated game between Milan and and Roma this past Monday. And then, of course, we can talk about the the Parisic penalty that was not called until we're blue in the face. But we did cover the officiating a bit, okay? So I want to put a spotlight on this idea that we're just going to keep doing international breaks during a pandemic. It's just... (laughs) I am I am absolutely dreading next week when you have, I mean, for, for Inter and so many other teams, you're going to have, in some cases, a dozen players called up going all around Europe or all around the world. And you know, I'm happy out there that we see officials from places like Borussia <laughs> and Dortmund and I believe uh, De Laurentiis at Napoli is trying to fight this. There's a time and a place for this stuff, but given where we are in the world right now where... Uh, you know, I'm in the United States. I'm not even sure if this is the first, second or third wave or if the wave has just been going on. But then over in Europe, you know, you have second waves ravaging a lot of countries. I mean, Will Beckman is back on lockdown in the UK. France has got uh, has gone back into a lockdown now. And you you really dread the protocols, the travel, and, and how many players could be infecting one another or, or bringing it back to their country once the break is over. So uh, I, I really think that this is something where these clubs, FIFA, need, need to really reconsider the idea that you're going to be, you know, with call-ups forcing players to leave and go go out and, and join their, their national teams because it just seems like there, there's a time and a place for it, and this just doesn't seem like the time and place for that
0: yes traveling during pandemics is not a good idea no <laughs> who knew who knew <laughs> right let's um, move on to something much more comical this week's frog which will be presented by mr william
3: beck yeah we were all given a bit of a scare on uh, halloween as Inter put in that rather uh, strange and concerning <laughs> performance against Parma, but it somehow ended up not being the the, the weirdest and most frightening thing that I saw on uh, Saturday evening. Um, I I think this week's frog needs to be Patrice Evra, because he has uh, you know he's always been a bit of a maverick with uh, his his um, his social media content. Shall we say I don't know if. And if you remember the time he um, he licked a raw chicken on uh, an Instagram video a couple of years ago. Um, you know, he's a bit of a larger than life character. And this week he, he kind of reminded us of that with uh, an, inst- uh, an Instagram video, which remarkably 24 hours later is still there. Um, I would have thought someone might have had a word in his ear and advised him otherwise, but it's still there if you want to go and watch it. It's his little um, uh, Halloween celebration shall we say so? It's about forty-five seconds long, and if you haven't seen it, um, essentially he's in an underground car park, which I really hope was empty at the time of recording. He's got his um, his sort of black convertible car there with the number plate that says Patman, um, and there's we've got some sort of music uh, blasting away in the background, and he begins this well, kind of almost a, r- a routine, um, sort of perched on top of the bon- of the. The windscreen of his car and he's kind of gyrating almost um before jumping down to the front with his black shirt and trousers uh, cape and sort of batman mask on <laughs> a gold belt as well just for good measure um he then starts sort of dancing on his feet um back and forth in front of the car while shouting go Patman!" as you know because <laughs> his name is patrice uh before Going um, in sort of in time to the music, he goes, Happy Halloween, Happy Halloween, um, At this point, you realize that he's not wearing matching shoes because one of them is a red and white trainer, and the other one is uh it looks like a it's either a um it's either a, a black shoe or a shoe that's got like a bin bag sort of um over it. Um he then sort of gives gives us a rendition of his favorite phrase, I love this game. And then sort of twirls around <laughs> to the side of his his car, showing off his his glitzy gold belt as he goes. Then he gets into the car, uh, which obviously the the, the you know the, the the on converters you get those doors that sort of um sort of open up like wings above the roof yeah. of the car. they they're they're open. So he just sort of goes and sits in the car, and says um, while well, the music's going, obviously, let me see what's happening inside. Don't be jealous. I just want to share. And then he gives his car a rev, so we can all hear it. Um, just to remind us all that it's, he's got a he's got a fast car because football is like having fast cars that are loud. Um, gives that a rev for a few seconds and then he finishes off with what I can only describe as kind of baby noises. Um, um, doing like a little pretend sort of like crying motion with his hand by his eye. And then I can't quite work out what he's saying, but it sounds like it's sort of um, he's saying like, I made it, Mama like as if say look at me i'm famous i've i've done a good thing i've done a good life for myself but he says it in like a a baby's accent so it's kind of like mama i made it mama <laughs> and then it ends and and i and i was none the wiser i've watched it about four times um and i'm still not <laughs> sure where it came from i've discovered that it's not the first strange Halloween video he's done. He did one a few years ago where he was topless. This is on, I found this on YouTube and he had sort of pumpkins um, sort of in front of him. He's got fake blood all over his chest and he's got it holding a knife uh, <laughs> instead sort of a, what can only be described as a hostage scenario. Um, so this is clearly a, a tradition he has of his sort of um, special Halloween gift for all of his, his followers, but... Um, yeah I mean all I can say is if, if Manchester United had played with the same sort of enthusiasm and intensity today against Arsenal that Edward put into this video they wouldn't have lost because you know <laughs> you can you can accuse ever of of, of, a, of a lot of things but one thing you can't accuse him of is is not living life by the you know grabbing life by the horns and living everything with <laughs> uh, uh, living everything as a full body experience so um
0: that, that yeah was, that was a brilliant go. it's yeah. still there if I have, <laughs> yeah if, if, I've,
3: if i've if i've if i've not put you off it it's still there <laughs> i'm Social
0: definitely definitely looking into that um because he, he is weird um right uh, let's move on to something much more Hopefully sane and, uh, and positive, for sure. Uh, this week's <laughs> this, this week's um, this week's Moratti, which we represented by Mister Positivity himself, Mister Mohammed Nasser. He, is, he works a lot. He's intelligent, and he surprises people sometimes with his ideas. Not easy to find one person of this uh, call it this.
1: Yeah, so uh, I'm making short and uh, sweet this week. Uh, uh, it's the return of the Croatian connection. Uh, it's very nice to see uh, both Perisic and Brozovic get on the score sheet uh, and very so, um Yeah, back to, back to 2016, 2017, I guess. Uh, it is for us this week. They're my uh, Moratis.
0: For sure, nice one. Um, I get that. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, it was. It was like I think it was five hundred and nineteen days since Paris last scored, and and Brozovic needs to. I mean, you know, he needs to. He's been awful, and I, it was nice to see him against Parma to show that he cares. So that, that was cool. the yeah. first.
3: That was the first brick of the massive wall of sort of um, massive comeback. That he needs to, and whats I've got lost in this analogy, but you see what I mean? That was the yeah. first step towards being re- accepted again by Interns, because mm. he's got a lot of making up to do with his performances. A lot performances of kissing in the up the fo- Yeah, yeah, but it was a nice goal, so we'll, we'll yeah. give him that, but For yeah, sure. I'm not, I'm not, getting on all no, with
0: him yet <laughs> no not really No, not yet he needs, he's got more he's still in the doghouse, <laughs> right yeah <laughs> <laughs> right that's all we had time for this week i'd like to thank david garido of sky sports uk i'd like to thank you mr alex dono
2: oh thank you so much hopefully a couple of wins to close out the week <laughs> that would be great and uh, always a pleasure to be back
0: yeah and don't be a stranger i won't and, uh, uh, as always, Mr. Mr. Positivity, Mohammed Nasser.
1: Yeah, thank you very much. It was a great episode. Uh, apologies about my spotty internet connection, but, uh, yeah, it is what it
0: is. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I think the positivity, nothing can stop your positivity, your rays <laughs> of positivity <laughs> <positiveness laughs> shining through all over the world. Uh, as always, Mr. William Beckman, thank you.
3: Thank you. Fearing zero points, hoping, perhaps unrealistically, for six. See you
0: next week, for sure. Uh, and until next week, I'm your host, Nimataval Irutari. Wishing you good health, uh, six points, and sempre e solo forza.